Welcome to the Lakeland Sports Guys. I'm Tom Carroll along with Chris Cox, the coach Dan Spivey, uh, on vacation. He made his way, and we want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, Black Friday coming up uh, day after tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. And we've got uh, football games uh, and basketball games all over the place, Chris. And uh, none of them bigger probably for us than Friday nights uh, and what's going on with uh, uh, the state uh, upper and lower finals to go along with that. So uh, that'll be big. we got some big upper state games to talk about uh, in uh, 4A, 2A, and 3A. So we'll get into those uh, a little bit. We'll get into the Clemson-Carolina rivalry week. It has been, uh, well, I've been taking a lot on the chin here. <laughs> This week, and um, I'm just like, yeah, we'll let our talking uh, do our on the field. On so the field, we'll, man. We'll see what happens with all that. Yeah, really excited about our our, our region in 4A. I mean, because we got two teams playing. Yeah, the state championship in 4A goes to Region One. Yeah, so, so it's going to be either a coach I don't like and another coach that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Less than I like that. No, I'm just yeah, Brian Lane's pretty good. Yeah, Lane's a good so guy. And first year, back. his first year though yeah. at, at Westside, and he ends up taking him to the upper state championship. But he's got he he was loaded when he took over that that team. I mean, they left him a cabinet just full of great weapons. No, Scott Early was a good coach. He did things the right way there. And I mean, like I said, they've all they started and treat us better over there. So I like him better. But like I said, you know, we, it's it's a really good game time. Like I told you, I mean, they, this team hasn't given up a lot of points in the whole total of the playoffs. I think I told you thirteen. Yeah in the playoff series so that's going to be and they're going against a team that's scoring a ton yep so we'll dive into that uh, and let you know hey want to also say uh congrats and welcome out at the uh, Wilbanks recreational complex <laughs> big grand opening went underway today at two o'clock our good friend jim Steele is out there uh they've got the um uh, beginners clinic that is already underway out there as well but they got six pickleball courts that are out there the grand opening for those i'll get a chance to play on them uh coming up on saturday and uh this is just this is an amazing project if you've seen what going on oh, yeah. out there and they finished these pickleball courts in like four months five months i mean it, it was fast well like a starbucks here in town but like <laughs> i said i just appreciate the invite for the beginner's lesson because you know as soon as i get it me and you're gonna have to start playing so <laughs> Uh, anyway, yep. I know he's going to do his podcast out there, so good job for him. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say to me when we get through. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But uh, all of that, all that out there, they're working on the ball fields now, and that's going to be artificial turf. All of that stuff that's going on has been funded by the capital project sales tax that is out there. And uh, we just want to say congrats, uh, Greenwood County Recreation. They they have their hands full with some really cool uh, facilities that are coming their way. Yeah, it's been difficult with me and Stan and you. But, you know, you want your pool, and Stan wants his softball complex. And and like I said, man, I want my Civic Center back. But will us, that's gone, long gone. But uh, I'm impressed with what they've done so far, really. I mean, I like that, you know, they've done stuff with their the, the other courts. And like I said, I can't wait to see the fields once they start getting them, bringing them all back in the way they were used to be. But uh, Yeah, it's weird seeing that, that big parking lot all of a sudden, you know, it's now just a big pile of dirt, pretty much um, going to be a new soccer field that's going to be put out there. And, and I was with soccer lacrosse. Let me kind of clarify. Started sorry. lacrosse. But I, I wonder, Tom, if, if they had not made the repairs to Nave, Stadium the way they did with with the post twenty, if maybe they wouldn't have probably got a new field out of this whole deal too. But the renovations that were made were perfect because you kept the the oldness of that stadium that goes back way back you know how many ever years, and you kept that and you just put the nuances into it. And I that was another great job that they did with that stadium, and I was part of that percentage of that sales tax too probably. But 
like I said, the good things are happening on that side. Yeah. we got to get a little something for the kids now. And for those of you that are disc golf fans, don't worry. That disc <laughs> golf uh, over in that area where they tore up all the dirt, it's still in place. Okay. <laughs> it's not gone anywhere. So uh, just keep that in mind. You can still go out there and, and play disc golf. Uh, holes uh, one, two, and three, I think, are the ones that are, are most affected by all of that that's out there. You may have to cross a, a dirt dirt path. Once I think that's fine when you're playing disc golf. <laughs> All right. Uh, other big news that came out Monday uh, afternoon. Actually, uh, a lot of teams heard about it on uh, a lot of people heard about it on Tuesday morning. Um, and that is the fact that Lawrence uh, High School has replaced their football coach, uh, Daryl Smith. He is no longer um, the uh, head football coach that is out there. You got to remember, he was Chris Liner's defensive coordinator for a number of years. And, and uh, Coach Dan Pippen had a, he struggled against that defense that is there. But uh, when you look at Smith, um, you know, Performance-wise is is mainly, I think, the reason that uh, he's no longer the head coach that is out there. I mean, he is 14-23 and 23 record as the head football coach over at Lawrence. He went 1-2 and two in the playoff appearances, which isn't bad. I mean, you went to the playoffs three times um, in the four years that you were there. And, uh, you know, according to the um, uh, athletic director, uh, Tommy Spires, what he had to say, he says, he's grateful for the time that they had. Uh, he said these coaches were absolutely awesome uh, getting these players in the classroom and what they did in the classroom uh, as well as what they did for the community. The success on the field just wasn't at the level that they wanted this year to go along with it, which I, I think is a testament to what uh, Daryl Smith has done. I mean, he started at a basics uh, and trying to rebuild um, after, what, after the first year. He had a lot of seniors that first year. They graduated, and then he had to start over again. I mean, basically this year was a whole new team for him. Uh, sophomore quarterback, I believe, after after Rawls left last year. I just don't know what maybe – what was Lawrence – what's their expectations was this year going in because they started so slow and then for him to finish the way they did and still make a playoff bid. Yeah, they remember they made the playoffs being two and eight. Yeah, well, but I mean, I just want to so, say, and they still kind of fall back to get to yeah. that. We had a couple of teams that didn't make it because they never could get that first, second win. But I just don't know what the expectations are. And now, going forward, they fired him. And really, who's out there that they really can get? Well, there's one name that keeps popping up over and over. Well, that's why I brought you that in. I wanted to <laughs> lead it into you like that. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and I'm not so sure that anybody over at Lawrence wants this, this gentleman. I know we don't want him over there. We, we have to put up with him over at Greenville already. And that is Greg Porter. Greg Porter has applied for, what, just about every job in the upstate um, that he's been able to find that is he's 4 or 5A, um, including the Greenwood job. Twice he put in for that. Uh, and once he was on the final three in that selection. But um, – you know, when talking with some folks over uh, about Lawrence and that job, and what does it, what does that job mean for Greg Porter? Why does he want that job so bad? Why are we hearing the rumors that that's the job that he wants? Um, is there family that is there? Or does he think that he he, he can make that a, a true championship team? You got to remember where he came from, though. I mean, he won a championship at Hillcrest. Okay, that's a suburb of Greenville, pretty much, right? Oh, yeah. um, uh, he's the second year in a row he's made the state champ or upper state championship over at Greenville. Um, again, right there, downtown Greenville. Uh, you know, his success has come in the multi, um, the heavily populated areas, and to go to more of a rural area. Um, now, granted, it's right off of I-85 and 385. I mean, you, you've got that little section that is there. And uh, maybe in about 20 years, Lawrence will be a subdivision of, of, of Greenville. But for the most part right now, I mean, that's that way out in the sticks for him. 
I don't see the I, I don't see I wouldn't see the appearance from either side of him Lawrence. That's not a guy really, you know. But I I have like I said when we talk about Porter, I tell you what I, he reminds me of Pete Carroll. I use Pete in his arm because he's what's called a builder. He builds programs. Porter's a really good coach. I think at times he's just really some of the methods and ways he goes about doing things I just dislike. Um, but you can't ever say that he's not a good coach because you say I'm taking two teams. I think the reason he would look, Tom, is because I think the youth is on the team this year at his place. He's going to lose Bubba Franks. He's going to lose M.K. Bennett. He's going to lose – Drummond will be back next year. He'll lose the running back. So his team is going to be pretty much depleted. So he's going to have to really get out and do some – we'll call it recruit. He's got to get some players. So he's got to walk his halls or, or go online, get these, in, these students online class and stuff like that. And I just think maybe this is a way that he says, you know what, maybe I've done what I can do here. I can guarantee you, if they can somehow beat Westside Friday night and they can go ahead and make it and they can win the 4A title, I think if, I'd offer, if a job comes up, I think he takes it just like that. Because like you said, didn't he win? Yeah, he won state it. He won. Yep, All did. right. So then Greenville snapped that one, and then now his, his eyes are going to turn toward. The, I'm not going to say that region that they play in. That was that region – it's region two. With that we Greer. played in before. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say that's kind of a weaker region, but, I mean, it's not like the one we're in. Mm-mm. It's not, you know, every week playing the knockdown drag out. What I hope is, is if he does get that job, that we go with him. And we go back in that region so we can still play him. But I don't I don't see the, the, the nuance of them wanting him. I can see him wanting the opportunity to come back and start over another program. I can see that. And talking with an Abbeville fan, they said, I sure hope that uh, Jamie, or Jamie Nichols doesn't apply for this job. I want him to stay at Abbeville. Is that even a possibility that he may go and try, you know, moving up a couple of classifications? He yeah. can coach it. I mean, Tom, if we sit back and think about it, I mean, Jamie, Jamie can coach. I mean, he coached with Liner and them guys at Greenwood before he finally ended up taking that Abbeville job. He walked into a gold mine there, um, I guess because Coach Watts. But um, – I, yeah, I think he could. I just – I would think it would be more of a – he would want maybe 3A, which he may be 3A anyway. The 3A and the three alignment, But after 3A alignment, he may go to 3. But um, I I don't think so. I think he's got everything he wants there. His family, his kids, most of them are – the two or three are what graduate already, mm-hmm. right? Or the youngest kicker did already. But I, unless it is just to say to, hey, man – most coaches like him that are young like that, they want to stay where they're at because it's secure for them. They know what they got to deal with. They know more than likely who their rivals are going to be. They have a good connection with everybody in 2A. Um, so, yeah, it would be a little surprising to see me, him move up and take that one. I can see him maybe going to uh, a West Side or a BHP before I can see him making that move. You think? I think it'd be exciting to have that Abbeville offense over there at, at Lawrence. Oh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be exciting because I'm going to tell you, he's got some really good coordinators over there too, um, especially on that defensive side. I'm more interested now, Tom, to see is somebody's going to get a really good defense coordinator mm-hmm. if he wants to continue to coach. Well, where was yeah? Where where is Daryl Smith going to end up? Could he end up in Lexington? Could he end up, uh, you know, somewhere else here in the Upstate? I, you know, the thing that that I'm always intrigued with because I love Charleston area anyway is the amount of jobs that are open there. Because um, I'm going to tell you right now, if it was me, I know Wando. They have been decimated by the fact of these Lucy Beckhams and all these Oceanside Collegians, and there's two more down there in Mount Pleasant that I just saw the other week. But I can see him maybe taking a shot on like maybe a Wando as a head coach 
Because what do you got to lose? Worst case scenario, you look out your, your window every morning and you got the intercoastal waterway. I mean, that's not a bad thing, Coach. But I'm more interested, Tom, to see what smart guy like around this area says, you know, I need a defense coordinator. I'm going to get me a defensive coordinator. And, and if he's willing to do that, because, I mean, he was a little hesitant when Coach Liner left. It was almost like, I'm not sure I'm ready. And now's the perfect opportunity for him to reevaluate. I think he's ready to be a head coach. I mean, that's hands down. Is there a possibility he could end up uh, at Greenwood under Coach Liner once again, maybe co-defensive coordinators? Um, Well, I mean, we would need a spot, wouldn't we, because don't we already have co-defensive? We've got plenty. (laughs) Um, You know what, though? I mean – we got good ones, too. We do have good ones, Coach Butler and and Zach Norman. And like I said, I think that's – I think we're happy. I mean, if we didn't have I'm sure that he would jump on. You said Lexington, which is a little surprising to me. Uh, because we do know that he does know Coach Curtis, <laughs> mm-hmm. so if you if you're if you're looking for a coordinator, he's going to get picked up fast. I just wonder what he and his wife want to do. And he's young; he's still a young guy. So, I, if I was him, though, if it's me, I'm going to Charles. I'm just telling you, <laughs> I'm not going to say I take Wando, but I, there, or Wilson or any of those jobs out there. Well, there's also another offensive coordinator that is leaving uh, over at Saluda, one of the Tigers' uh, offensive coordinators, that being Garrett Jones. They went ahead and announced this week that he uh, is uh, moving on. Um, he went ahead and uh, put the word out there to the players and the other coaches as well. I know the fans out there are going to miss him. He's done a, a really good job since Coach Webb left and went over to Strong Thurman. Um, so there you have another offense. So you can get both of these guys for the price of two. You'd have some, you'd have some really good coordinators. Now I kind of now that you said that, I kind of wonder about something. <laughs> we, Could Garrett Jones end up at Lawrence? At Lawrence. I mean, we already know he he's he's a great OC, and I've, I I. Let's see. All right, because I know how I feel about it. If I'm coming in first-year head coach of the team, is it easier for an offensive coordinator like I would be or a defensive guy like you to boo your team? The defensive coordinator. Would be the toughest, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I feel that way, too, because you're, coming, you're bringing the setup in to run what you want, and then you got to trust somebody to run defense. If you're like Coach Smith, you got to find somebody to run the offense that you don't know nothing about. And that's the hardest part about it. And uh, that's where I don't see Porter being to come in just like boom, boom, boom. It's taken Coach Ford a while, I agree. He didn't just start this project last year. Well, and, and you got to remember, too, Coach Porter is more like Dabo Sweeney. He's more of the organizer and getting the right people around you to make you successful. He's not necessarily, um, you know, an OC or a DC. He's more of a, a position coach. He is. That is a head coach. And, and he trusts his players to do their – I mean, his coordinators do their jobs. I mean, we don't know. I mean, we, we may see a, kid, a guy from New Tellings come to Lawrence because – the thing right here, 2A, 3A is, is big enough as it is that a coach like Nichols, I'm fine at two. The coach at BHP y'all were telling me about, he's probably fine at three. Um, when you when you move it on up, you move it up in everything too. And, I mean, that's more students you got to deal with, more players, more more talent to choose from, yes. But I, that's what I said. I, I wish I had a coach here because, I mean, like I said, they're three. And he would probably tell you right now, I'm sure that uh, that uh, Coach Bo would bring him on down a heartbeat. <laughs> So, 
All right, uh, before we get into the playoff aspect of it, um, let's talk, too, about the ladies' uh, basketball. Greenwood went on the road down to the first-ever Armed Forces uh, uh, Thanksgiving tournament that took place at Airport. Um, the first game, they ended up beating Lexington, uh, which, yeah, I mean, this was a hard-fought game. 51-49 was the final in this one. Um, Cameron Oliver had 17 points in that. She also added, um, uh, what, 10 rebounds to go along with it. Uh, you look at Danielle Oliver, her... Uh, uh, sister ended up with 10 points to go along with that as well and they basically completed every minute going against Lexington at the full court pressure I mean 110 percent now tell me that doesn't sound like coach Pedersen and providing that full court pressure all the time I think all it took was coach Shiles listening to podcast Monday and the confidence that we have in him and her to do her thing and coach her game and everything. And, I mean, like I said, I think this team's going to be fine, Tom. I think they, this is the year that they stand out. I think that – but you're right. I mean, she you can tell she's had some part of Lander in her, in her training, uh, and she has definitely had some, some games under Coach Pedersen's leadership. And if she can continue to do this, there's no doubt that this could be the girls' team to beat. Yep. And then Tuesday they went up against Airport, and this was for the championship, uh, the tournament championship. They end up winning it at 49-29. to 29. Again, that defense just smothering. Um, Daniel Oliver led all scores with 15 points, was also named the basketball tournament's uh, um, player of the year, uh, player of the year, but player of the tournament um, to go along with it. So congrats to her. Uh, Tyreek uh, uh, was named all-tournament uh, as well as Cameron Oliver named to the all-tournament MVP list. So had some good ones there. You get, you get your first MVP, Tom. You might be that MVP at the end of the year, though. You might have that right. <laughs> we'll see what We'll go back to that. But the, the, the thing is, is you've got uh, – let me count this. One, two <laughs> – you had three players in double figures scoring-wise in the championship game and, um, what, three also – well, yeah, three also in the uh, uh, first game on Monday night. So um, if you can continue that and have three in double figures each time and you're scoring, you know, 49, 50 or more points, it's going to be tough to beat. I've always – like I said, I've always loved it, especially coaching. I mean, you want, to, you want it to be a team effort, man. You want everybody body even on the board and get your, one or two players up there. They can get to double figures. They're going to get theirs anyway. And I love the way she plays defense first and foremost because, like I said, that's that's shutting down some pretty good basketball teams right there, Tom Carroll. That's defensive oriented there. Yeah, and we all know that that Midlands area in and around Columbia, how loaded it is, both boys and girls-wise basketball. Dreher, Euclid, all the ones with the Richland, full Wallies and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Keenan. <laughs> Throw it in there. I also want to say congrats to uh, the Dixie boys. Um, uh, the Hornets end up winning over Crescent 44-32 to in that one, and that's part of the uh, tournament going on over there at Erskine. Also, uh, uh, Emeralds competed against uh, Brasher College, Middle College on Monday night. So we'll uh, dive into that. Hopefully when we get Coach Scruggs in here, well, we're hoping he's going to be – well, we're told that he's on his way, correct? No, I hadn't, I hadn't received. I hadn't, all I know is he said, I know what time I play and I know what time the podcast is. So I'm hoping that he stayed at 2.30, get the lines moving at school or whatever, get the gas. Maybe he's gassing the bus up and he's going to bring his start right, over here. We'll find out uh, when so, he does yeah. get here. Um, also want to say congratulations to the Greenwood County Park and Rec All-Star Volleyball Team. They are the um, 2023 Girls Volleyball State Tournament Champions. Um, and congrats to them. He's, we saw their picture on, yeah. on Facebook. We put it on up there. But yeah. Um, they went through uh, some pretty good teams um, 
what one down in Columbia. They had uh, two here in the Upstate to go along with that. One of them being Palmetto. So uh, they went up against some stuff, stiff competition. Ended up coming up with the tournament championship. That's what I kind of like about it that you do have the two leagues here in town, and they don't mind helping each other. They work together well. Yeah, elite is elite, and, and, and I mean, Palmetto is pretty grand as well. So. Yep. So and, uh, I tell you something I've noticed because I just me for me being a guy, it's always football, baseball, basketball, you know. But when you throw those on our page like you and I do, mm-hmm. they get the most hits. I mean, it's like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and I mean, we appreciate y'all, you know, checking us out for the volleyball. We'll keep them coming. We're gonna keep softball and everything else going too. But it's just every time we throw that volleyball up there, we get a lot of likes and a lot of clicks. So we appreciate it. A lot of fun. Um, uh, and then. Uh, before we dive into the uh, playoff action here football-wise, I want to say congrats to the five Emerald Vikings who made the Region 4 Class 3A All-Star Region team. And folks are saying, you know, well, Green or Emerald wasn't that good this year. How could they have uh, that many? Well, they are that good. Think of how many games they lost by less than, than three points or a touchdown. I mean, there were a lot of games that were in there, and a lot of them, uh, you know, were like with two or three seconds remaining or 30 seconds remaining. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – they got good players. It's just the bad luck seemed to be on their side. Not only that, that their schedule was brutal, man. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got, I mean, Hampton's still in this thing. I mean, BHP still in this thing. I mean, everybody they played is still in the playoffs for the most part. Yeah. So you look at the five from Emerald that made the all region team. Now, granted, there's what, 22, and five of them are from, from Emerald. <laughs> yeah. You got Key Holloway, who rushed for what, almost 1,100 yards or just over 1,100 yards, had 12 touchdowns to go along with that. Uh, Max Divlibilis. Um, All-region halfback as well as wide receiver ended up uh, grading out at 70% on the year. Um, uh, and then uh, Quamar Cloud was chosen, uh, graded out at 83% this year with 33 knockdown blocks. Um, the reason we know so much about him, he was at the Greenwood Touchdown Club, yeah. got honored as being part of the All-Lakelands team as well. You had Malachi uh, Thomas, um, one of the uh, defensive linemen that's out there, he had 21 solo tackles, 27 assists, three tackles for a loss, a sack, four quarterback pressures, and a pass breakup. And then uh, you look at Keenan Marshall, um, another defensive back uh, that ended his year with 40 solo tackles, 21 assists, um, one tackle for a loss, 12 pass breakups, had two interceptions and two forced fumbles to go along with that. And then you had four honorable mentions that were thrown in there. You got to look at uh, Carterius Lyles, also uh, Carson Wright uh, at the receiver position. You also had linebacker John Fleming uh, to go along with that. By the way, Lyles was the center. And then you throw in A.J. Anderson also at running back as one of the honorable mentions. I wish that Coach was here because he's fitting a smile when you said that because – Three or four of them names I remember off his basketball team. They're getting ready to start it up um, from from Marshall to Anderson to um, the other kid. So, I mean, these guys are ready. They're getting in basketball play in shape right now. But that's, that's what an honor for that team, though. But like I said, with the schedule they played, I don't know what your expectations were. But, I mean, I bet you asked Coach DeBose, and he's like, look, we got our, we got our game. Mm-hmm. He said, because when I looked at the schedule after I made it up, he's like, you a fool. But anyway, he played it, and you know, and like I said, when you lose into teams like Hampton by three and four points, and and BHPs and, and Chesters and Clintons, and they're they're still in playoffs or just recently knocked out of playoffs. I mean, come on. That team deserve it, and that coach deserve what they well, got. They did, and and they're being honored because of their play on the field and that never quit aspect that uh, is preached into them. 
go along with that. All right, so that brings us to the playoffs. This is where it gets fun. Um, the upper state championship games, we have a ton of them to talk about, um, uh, all those that are here in the, in the upper state to go along with that. But, um, you know, the one that's closest to home has to be the Abbeville uh, Gray Collegiate matchup uh, that's coming up here once again. And, and uh, you know, for the most part, I, I like this game in that it's, this is going to be a tough game. I mean, Great Collegiate, yeah, they had, what, three games that were forfeits, but they went and found other teams to play, like an IMG and um, the, the, team, the other team down in Florida. Washington. They had a, yeah, they had a team, Grayson, uh, up in Washington State, or not Washington State, but Washington, D.C., to go along with that. So they've, they've got some guys that, that are pretty doggone good that they've gone up against and played, and they've been able to average around 43 points a game. As of right now, only giving up about 29. Now, granted, those were just some good teams, whereas Abbeville um, has only allowed about 14, but they're also scoring about 39 points a game uh, in the top of that. And uh, they played a, a tough schedule as well. When you look at the Powdersville game and Southside Christian, Westside to go along with that, and then um, you throw in uh, you know Silver Bluff last week, a tough Newberry team that they ended up playing against. Um, you know they're pretty well battle tested as well. They had, and and uh, you know here's the thing. Uh, you know, I follow every one of the, I wouldn't call it crap websites, but anyway, they like to stir the pot and everything. And the thing I, that I see every, this morning, for instance, it was like, well, little old Abbey Bill is going to come down and hit the dirt road, and they're going to play Big Gray. And so you want to make these guys really mad at Gray, you spell it wrong. Oh, yeah. Spell it with an E and N instead yeah, of an A. And, <laughs> and I do that, by the way, all the time. <laughs> I'm excited for this thing, game for, for several reasons. I mean, I if you ever... I learned early in our shows at the Hits Radio Station in here that if you ever forget Jim Savile, Jamie Nichols is going to make you forget it, and you'll never forget it. Um, this is a good football team. Uh, Carson Norman, as you as you'll tell us in a minute, he wasn't he the Lakeland's Player of the Year? He was uh, at Abbeville, um, and there were some big names on that list. Um, the thing that that kind of threw me a curtail with me was the fact that Phil Cornblute said that this team didn't have a lot of players on it. That the Gray didn't, yeah. And that's kind of what I continue to think about with what – because Phil knows high school football. He knows college, but he knows high school ten times better than that. And for him to make that statement, that lets me think, well, how are they still winning games? And so, like I said, this is going to be a game. It's going to be a hard fault. But I can, I will almost guarantee you they don't score 49 times. You know why? Why is that? Abbeville's defense is going to shut it down, and they're going to run that clock. <laughs> you might see a couple of passes that may go for touchdowns, but there won't be a whole lot of passing in this game, and they're going to run. Time possession is going to go to Abbeville. And I just – I'm not going to – I won't I won't pick against Abbeville again, especially I'm not going to give it to a team like Gray. All right. Well, we know Gray uh, has a good running back. He's not KZ-worthy, okay? I'm not going to say that, uh, that he's KZ-worthy. There isn't anybody, in my opinion, that could touch KZ uh, that is there uh, at Gray right now. But he is a pretty good running back. Um, solid, not uh, – has a lot of speed, able to hit the hole quickly. Um Thing is, though, uh, he's not your scat back. He's more of a north-south kind of runner um, that's there. Gray does have a good defensive line, a good size up there. Um, as a whole, the defense has, as we said, has been able to, you know, kind of corral folks for the most part that aren't elite, uh, such as an IMG, uh, to go along with that. So uh, Abbeville's going to kind of have their hands full defensively on that line uh, to go along with it, which – we know is Abbeville's strength, right? That defensive line is probably one of their bigger strong points. Um, they've been very physical against the run to go along with it. Um, however, we saw against Westside, they need to tighten up on the 
uh, on the passing side of it. Um, and Gray really has shown that, you know, in the secondary, that folks can take advantage of him uh, there as well. So both teams susceptible on the defensive side to the passing game. Um, so when you look at, at Gray's quarterback, he's adequate. He's more of a distributor uh, than anything else. He's not that guy that's going to beat you uh, with a deep throw or anything of that nature. Um, he's going to get it to the playmakers, much you know, you know, like Cutter Woods until Cutter Woods becomes, uh, you know, Cutter Woods and decides to throw it downfield. He's not Cutter Woods that they're going up against. So they've seen better quarterbacks. They yeah, have played better quarterbacks, and like I said, I just you coming down to it. It's the sheer fact in their minds, Tom, in 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 the G A G R A Y's mind, they can't be beat. They can't be beat at home, and I think that's the the thing that's going to hurt them in this thing. It's almost like. Big Gaffney up there. And, you know, they're at home now, and they can't believe it. And every time I see the thing with Michael Jordan crying on the thing up there, <laughs> it's hilarious. But I, I just don't see Abbeville making that trip down there and losing a football game. Now, I know it's happened before, but I don't see it happening down at that field mm-hmm. on, on Friday night. I just don't. I think they're – they're, and I, they're gonna, I think maybe Grades looking ahead to say, hey, we're going to either play whoever, whoever. Possibly. Well, kind of the X factor in all of this. What would you think it is? It's quarterback for Abbeville. Yeah, I think so too. He's the same. He's the same type deal. He doesn't make mistakes. And kid didn't know he was playing quarterback. I mean, that running back is good. But the one thing, the quote I do like by him is he's the one that said, "I'm nowhere near Casey Adams. I'm me." Mm-hmm. And he says, "I know that." <laughs> and I, I, I've got a lot of work to still do. And I respect kids like that. No, um, but just just the sheer fact of Jamie Nichols. He he's played more big games than you and I probably have watched, where they have been the underdog in every game that they've played, or you hear him tell it they're underdog in the seasons. But I just this is a game I think Abbeville wins. I, I would be stunned if it's anything. I can see probably a thirty-five, ten game to be honest with you. I think once Abbeville can get some points on the board, that's when they're going to continue to run the ball. Yeah, I'm looking at this too. I don't think Gray can can match the speed that they're about to see uh, with Abbeville. I mean, it, most of the teams that we've seen uh, go up against Abbeville uh, have said the same thing is, you know, we knew who we had to stop. The team speed-wise, we just couldn't account for. And, I, and, again, the argument I would have about Gray saying they can beat anybody anywhere is you tried it. You went to Washington. You went to Florida. You, went, you played IMG. You played another team out of Pensacola. And you were in none of those games. Had you gone in there and played in one of those games or actually won one of those games, I might give you credit. But, I mean, that's about like, you know, Chris Liner saying, we're going to play the top seven or ten teams in the country this year. We can go play them all we want, but we need to win one or two of them. Or I'm not, nobody's going to give you credit or account for anything. So. Well, both of these teams also have uh, all-stars on them. Both of them uh, have teams or I should say players that are going to the North-South game for Gray. Uh, Zaya Offord and also J.T. Sorrell. Or so well, um, are going to the north-south game. And, of course, for Abbeville, you have uh, Jay Harris, the nose guard, and then you have the linebacker and McLean Bowie, who we saw uh, the touchdown club as well, also going to the uh, north-south game. So you got you know fairly evenly matched, uh, more offensive-oriented uh, up on the line, offensive line, uh, and the running back spot for Gray, but it's more defensive-oriented for Abbeville. So head-to-head, you know, best going against best. I, I just, whenever Jay Harris got up, I just, you know, luckily I wasn't drinking anything. I probably would have dropped it to see the size of this kid to be an offensive lineman. He, he's he's another almost like Trey Jones, honestly. So, uh, it's going to be an exciting game, man. I mean, you know, like I said, Avil's going to be shut down Friday afternoon, and, and they're on the way to Columbia. And 
So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And like I said, if I have to eat the crow, Howard's got the best crow in town. So yeah. See By the goes. way, uh, Gray did play Hammond. I did not know that they lost or ended up winning fifty-two to fourteen against Hammond. And that's, I mean, that's a really good. What do you want? It's better it? than I thought that was going to be. Yeah, I mean, but now there again, I wouldn't have going even going into the game. I would have said, you know, I know how good Hammond is. They'll probably be around for another Skiza title. But um, like I said, that's that's a, now that is an impressive win. I don't even think I saw that one by that that score in, in yeah. particular because I had said uh, what was it last week or the week before that that would be a fun matchup to see play, but they did play. So, all right, the only common opponent was Chesney, and uh, both teams ended up big win sixty two to fourteen for Gray. You had fifty six to fifteen for uh, uh, Abbeville, um, and that of course uh, was a region game for Abbeville in that one. So you really can't take much out of that. Uh, pretty evenly matched when you look at common opponents to go along with it. Here's where it gets interesting. Gray on the road is one and two. Okay, at home they're seven and one. All right, so they're at home. They're seven and one. Abbeville is seven and one at home over at Height Field. Uh, um, but you look on the road, they're also 5-0. and oh. They have not lost on the road as of yet. He <laughs> found another stat I thought I had. <laughs> anyway, and that's another reason. I mean, this team travels. It's almost going to be like a home game for them, too, though. I'm thinking it's going to be more of a home game. I, I do not see – you've got a whole town coming out for Abbeville. You've got just a section of Columbia that, that is mainly just parents and maybe students that's coming out for Gray. And how many of the ones coming out from Gray are there to see them get their butts kicked? Like area, just people that just do not like that school. <laughs> we're going to go all right, but we're going to be in the Apple sidelines. We're going to go watch these guys lose because I'm tired of hearing about them. Player of the game uh, for Gray and Appyville, for Appyville? It could be Leach. It could be Norman. I think for them to win a game, I think it's got to almost be Norman on both sides of the ball. You know he's going to get his yards rushing. But look out for a pick six, maybe, because he loves playing defense, too. So, that's who I'm thinking about. I mean, I know you like Leach is a really good player, and he's an elite player. Um, and like I said, he likes both sides of the ball, too. But I I just think Carlos. Well, I like Carson Leach because uh, of not only his quickness, but how long he is. I mean, he plays uh, defense, you know, much like Clemson would love to have him play defense uh, and being as long as he is. And, of course, he does um, have an offer from South Carolina. So, South Carolina, if they do get him, they're getting a really good, uh, you know, possible middle linebacker safety. I hadn't even seen that one, but because I've been posting all week about who we had, who we have offered already, well, so I need to hear an acceptance from him. Yep, just an offer. Yeah. So it's just an offer as of right now. All right, let's talk about some of the other games that are going on in and around the uh, upstate um, as of right now. If I can pull it up, uh, let's talk about Greenville at Westside. This is, of course, the same region that Greenwood is in, uh, Region One Four A. It is a rematch from back in September, um, in which Westside ended up winning by fourteen. Um, Greenville, by the way, did not have Mazio Bennett. He was injured in this game. He's going to be here for this game. Uh, so it could be a difference maker. Also, Josh Williams is uh, going to be a big factor in this one. Josh has, what, 16 TDs, over 1,000 yards receiving, um, and he's getting it all from Cutter Woods. Uh, everything points skill-wise on offense in favor of Westside in this one. Greenville, yeah, they did a good job uh, of, of slowing a Northwestern team down. Um, and, you know, they had a little bit of luck to go along with it uh, with some of the turnovers there towards the end of the game. But the big factor for me is, um, you know, Westside has proven against Midland Valley that they'll just outscore you. They, they 
broke a team record in scoring 68 points last week. Their previous record was 63. Uh, and But they gave up 53 points in the process. So they don't have as good a defense, I would say, maybe as Midland Valley has. This could be another shootout. It could be. And I think that in that case, Tom, especially what you got to do, what did impress me was, now, they, they by no means shut down Travian Dunbar at Midland Valley. If you think they shut them down, you're crazy. Because the kids still had how many? Eight touchdowns? Yeah, eight touchdowns, um, and, and he broke the 3,000-yard mark. I'm bringing that into play because of M.K. Bennett, Mazio Bennett. He had a really good game in Greenwood. The, the key to this game is going to be drumming at quarterback as opposed to Cutter Woods because we, we didn't see a whole lot of drumming. Um, and now he's actually back as a starter. Now, Northwestern, on the other hand, that stunned me what he did against them. He played a really good game. Did you even see the penalties on that game? Mm-mm. Very low penalties by both teams. And, you know, that's the one plus I've always said about playing Coach Porter is you can probably get 10 offensive false starts or something in that game. It's just like every time they play time. We went over there, what, two years ago to watch mm-hmm. these two teams play um, – and it just that was when Coach Early was there and the fans weren't happy with him. I just don't see Porter going into Anderson again and getting another win when, when he is so good. I mean, when what they're doing this year with Coach Lane and with Cutter, it's another one that these these kids don't want to quit. None of these teams want to lose this game. But like I said, if you if you like I said, if you're gonna twist my arm, I'm gonna probably go with West Side in this game because it's a home <laughs> game. What about on the road for Greenville? What's their record? <coughs> Greenwood, or excuse me, Greenville on the road is five and two. Okay, that's uh, better than I thought. Right now, yeah, their their losses um, ended up coming to T.L. Hanna and to Burns. Okay, um, in that regard. So they don't like Anderson already because they lost him. I'm trying to find him a little. Yeah, that, to me, the X factor is going to be Jamar Boston. Um, it is. We saw what Jamar Boston did to us when we were up there in, in a game that we thought we could win. Uh, he ended up, uh, shall we say, uh, a controversial call to get into the the end zone towards the end, scoring the game-winning touchdown with about uh, what a minute thirty remaining uh, to go in all of that. He, to me, he's going to be the difference in this ball game because they are going to double up on. Uh, uh, Josh Williams, they are. I think, in this one and and really try to slow him down. Um, they're going to come after Cutter Woods, and we've seen that Cutter Woods can burn you with his legs. I mean, I don't know if, if the Greenville quarterback has the same legs. We never saw him really run uh, when we played it because Mazio had the game of his life, I thought. He didn't have to run. He didn't have to. But Cutter Woods, we came after him, and Cutter said, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going I'm to take advantage of it. And every time he ran, it was for big chunks. We're, we're talking about, uh, what, 10 or more yards. And that's what he did last week with um, Finley Bolt. You know, they made him one-dimensional. And, and like, But I think the difference is, I mean, we know that Northwestern has a running back. I think that's the key, Tom. We really – can you even tell the name of the running back at West Side right now? I could not. Sean Richards. But anyway, <laughs> I, mean, I just – Oh, that's right. He was uh, – And I think that's the factor in the game. I think, you know, what he did at North Augusta last week, and I think that's the reason I think they probably do beat Greenville this weekend. I'm hoping and praying they do. And like I said, if, if, if we were around this weekend, that would probably be the game to go to. I know y'all had a blast at BHP, and they treated y'all like kings, had your motorhome out there in the end zone and stuff like that. But. <laughs> Don't I wish we were in that way. That would have been sweet uh, where they were riding. Uh, when y'all told me about it, I was like, man, I miss everything. I don't know who was in that motorhome, but they was right up there along the fence line. And they, I mean, what better, what a better vantage point to watch a football game than to have your own personal restroom, all the food that you could possibly want to eat, and resting back there in those well, listen, chairs. As a Gamecock fan, I'm going to call and blame it on Dabo and say he was in there. 
Because that, that's got to be a violation <laughs> if he takes his motor home up there. So. All right. Well, Daniel is on the road. They get to go to the Bears' den to take on uh, Belton Honey, a path in this one. Um, both these teams undefeated, 13-0 and as of right now. Uh, you know, the advantage, I guess you say, has to go to BHP, but – Let's really talk about this because Daniel, for what, the last two years has been overlooked time and time again. Everybody's been talking about the Bears. Everybody's been talking about Wren. Um, they were talking about Chester and Chapman last year. Um, you know, it's they've been overlooked for the most part, yet they still are the defending state champions. They only do it year in, year out, year in, year out. And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, throw that into the fact of the, the region they play in and all that, but that's silly too, but. Their coach is a really good football coach, Tom. They have a really good offensive lineman coach that we know very well here, Gage Domenica. Um And to be honest with you, I I haven't followed BHP yet. I I let y'all I let y'all have that one last week, and I, I actually text you. I said, well, if it's a good game, they might be in it. But Clinton's gonna probably stomp that mud hole, and they didn't. So now I have to, you have to give all the props back to them, and they're at home. I think Daniel likes being overlooked. I think Daniel likes <laughs> nobody expecting him to come out and play. And this is the kind of game. In the past, you would have had a little Sweeney, little Venables. They both had probably 100 yards, 200 yards receiving. Um, I think Daniel's an unknown this year. And the sheer fact that they have had to play their butts off to play with the Renzes and uh, of that region, I mean, I, that just makes them a better football team. The thing is, they're not used to road games. They're used to hosting the playoffs all the way through. And – that might be the one factor that they don't have is the fact that they're at the Lions Den. They're actually going to the Bears Den. Um, so that's probably the key thing to me is that how they travel and how how they play in, in postseason games on the road because it, I don't know that it's out there. I couldn't mind it, what they were on the road in the playoffs. But Well, the old, the old adage is you've got to beat the best to become the best, right? And uh, Daniel by far is up there over the – what their coach Jeff Fruster, uh, 49-1 and one. With the Lions over the last six years, um, during that span, um, whether seventy-one and four, if you go back to two thousand and two thousand and fifteen, I think yep. it is when he ended up taking over. So, I mean that that's huge when you look at that margin. They've only lost four games total. Well, the thing is, that that people would think about the one loss would probably be in the state championship. It's not. <laughs> it was first of the year, what three years ago, when they played. They either played they either played Spartanburg or Gaffney, one of the two. I don't really remember which one it was. It's been two or three years ago, and they lost that game. And they, everybody just thought the air had fell out of the sky. It was over with. <laughs> we were fixing to go into something really silly, which we were going, actually we were going into the COVID at that time. We didn't know it. Yeah. So that one loss actually that you do have. So we've got three other losses, and one of them may have been in the state championship. But whenever they play the big games, they generally win is, is where I'm going with it. <laughs> I know you're going to take the Bears because you love your Bears. No, I'm actually going to take Daniel in this one. I, I think they're the more balanced team. Uh, you look at their quarterback, Colton Chapman, uh, what, 22 TDs. Uh, they've got a senior <laughs> running back that's got 25 to go along with that and, and, and Kari Bennett. Um, you know, I I do think this is within a 7-3 to three point game, though. I think this is like 35-31, uh, 31-28 kind of a game. I just think offensively, I think you're going to see a lot of points on the board. And so that's another thing is when I think about BHP, I do think about their defense. And, and that's basically to win that game, Tom, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to keep it into that, what you just said, for them to win the game. I think you're right. It's going to have to stay in that. If it gets into the Daniel, I'm thinking about you could be looking at a 42-28 to 
21 game. Mm-hmm. And I think Daniel's fine with that. All right, real quick thoughts on uh, St. Joe's going to Christchurch. There's, what, maybe less than a mile, mile and a half, maybe. <laughs> These two schools are separated by each other. They've met, um, t- you know, once already, and that was during the regular season uh, in which uh, Christchurch ended up winning that game. Christchurch, of course, is the one seed. St. Joe's was a three seed. St. Joe's, though, has proven that they got hot at the right time towards the end of region play, and then through the playoffs, they knocked off the number one team in the state in Louisville. And that was the one we didn't think would happen. Hey, man, listen. I think Christchurch does probably still the best running back, one of the best running backs in the state. I just – I went with – you know, that was the team I, I chose St. Joe's beginning of the year out of the big three, as we call them, to win it. Um, if this was Southside Christian and Christchurch maybe, we'd have a battle like we have the last two years. Mm-hmm. St. Joe's, this is their one chance and probably maybe final chance to step up to that plate and beat them and put them out of the playoffs. And when they do, they can solidify that they own the big three now for this coming year. Yeah, particularly in the playoffs is where you want to end up beating somebody there. And their defense is what they've been able to do it on here towards the end of the season. To shoot down, or to basically shut down, not shoot down, shut down a Louisville offense that was un... It was crazy-like number. It was like Madden or college football games that you play on video games, the numbers Louisville had. And they shut them slapped down. If they can do this in this game, they'll beat Christchurch. Like I said... It's going to be a big game to do it. they got to shut Reader down first and foremost. And they, I mean, this has got to be like the third or fourth time they played each other in two years anyway. I mean, you already played twice in a year anyway. So you go back to whoever's got that. Whoever won the last game, maybe pick the other team. Coin toss. It, Hard to beat somebody that many times. It is. In the process. All right. Um, and then this is the real underdog story. J.L. Mann, uh, 11-2 on the season, has never won a state championship, never been to the upper state championship game. Here they are uh, coming in, taking on a Dutch Fork team that started 2-5 and five <laughs> in the first seven games of the season uh, and ended up, what, the fourth seed in their region, and uh, they knock off a Gaffney team, uh, what, 35-10 to 10 was the final in that one? Um, and do it in such a dramatic fashion, uh, it, it's hard to kind of comprehend. But they've also got uh, six of the last uh, or titles out of the last seven years, and one of those they were the runner-up in the process of it. So, um, you know, th- look at J.L. Mann, their defensive coordinator, Scott Watson. He, he's taken the team three years ago that had a 9-75 and 75, uh, record going into the, those eight seasons and turned them around totally here in the last three years. It's going to be a fun game, Tom. You know, people always tell me one player could make a difference. It, it did this year for Dutch Fork. You know, you know, you lose your quarterback pretty early in the year, and then you finally get him back for the playoff push. Well, you had, what, two games left in the regular mm-hmm. season and then the playoff push. And he, that, I would say maybe that's the reason. Even a Tom Knotts, he ain't walking on water, and that's what this basically has happened at Dutch Fork this year. He's walked on the water and got them to the playoffs to where they're actually into a game to go back to the state championship game. You, you got to pull for the underdog in this one. I mean, Tom, he, he's going to reload and everything else. But they got to play their best game plan to beat a team like Dutch Fork. That's on the road, right? Yeah, they're at uh, Dutch Fork okay. to go along with this. Um, both of these teams are, are four seeds. So, I mean, <laughs> look at it. And they got to the upper state championship in 5A. I was ready for another one when you said that to me, when you said this is a, a Cinderella story because there's another one you're going to talk about as soon as you flip that page. But, yeah, I, I think that – I, jail man, because like I said, they were in our region. weren't they in that? weren't they in the region that we played in with? They Greer? were. Okay, yeah. so that is a huge move to be to build it from where they were back then, because when we would play them, it would look on it and we'd say jail man and Hillcrest, we would laugh. 
We would. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell a tale. We would laugh, say, oh, well, we ain't worried about this one. And then, you know, you go up there, and it about like you thought it would be. I mean, so then for them to have turned it around, like you said, in three or four years is phenomenal. And, I, and I'm certainly pulling for them over Dutch for it. Yeah, but Ethan Anderson, uh, over 3,000 yards passing already, 39 touchdowns to go along with that. they got a pair of receivers in Mikhail McLennan and uh, Kashawn Henderson. Uh, each has 12 touchdowns uh, and at least 1,000 yards. Uh passing the uh, receiving yards and then you've got uh, their running back 20 rushing touchdowns almost a thousand yards he'll go over a thousand yards in this game by the way um uh, to go along with that that's morrison so i'm you know i'm, I'm sitting here and i'm thinking this Good is going to be man. an offensive battle this might be a shootout despite the fact that uh Dutch Fork and the Silver Foxes had a good defensive effort against uh, Gaffney but i'm also thinking that Gaffney that that's a physical game you're going to be beat up yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just said something about Riley Staten, but he's taking a beating for me this year. But yeah, I think it's a game that you go in. I think it's one that's. I, would I be shocked by the fact they go down there? No, I wouldn't be shocked that they went in there and won a, a big game. And with the numbers that their offense is putting up, I mean, what we're we talking about this could be really a really tough defensive game, or it could be. I could see them putting fifty-two on the board against Dutch Fork, and then Dutch Fork has to come back and score whatever to beat them. I just don't see them. Be, I think this is a year for jail, man. I really do. I'll be the first championship that they've uh, they've been to at the five A level. Well, first championship ever. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. So first championship. Let's ever. go ahead and get that out of the way first, and then worry about the next week. All right, lower state. I'm just going to mention these briefly. Uh, Somerville goes on the road to White Knoll. That's um, the team I'm talking about. <laughs> and White Knoll has had the Somerville uh, Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella slippers on, um, but their fans down there, as well as the players, are saying we're not a Cinderella. We we knew what we had last year. We should have beaten. Um, Tom Knotts and, and Dutch Fork the prior year to all of that. So, uh, you know, we're very deserving. Of course, they're the number one seed. Also, you got Irmo at South Florence. This has every making of another good one. Could be a very good defensive battle uh, in the process here, but both these teams more known for their offense. And then you got the Camden Bulldogs taking on Brooklyn Casey, who has been kind of like Daniel sitting in the background going, nobody's talking about us. No respect. You know, no respect. No respect whatsoever. And then uh, Oceanside is at Hampton County. And Johnsonville in 1A goes to Bamberg-Earhart. I'm going to quickly give them to you really quick. Somerville, White No, great season. But the, the stuff that the Somerville team has been through, losing your quarterback and your running back to guns in schools and they get suspended, to what they've done with a brand-new coach at Somerville this year, I like them in that game. I mean, I like uh, I like Oceanside. I mean, I hate to disrespect them. but And then who's Hampton County playing? Uh, Hampton County's got Oceanside. Give me Hampton County in that game. And that, now that's the thing, though. Oceanside remembers that state championship game against Abbeville because they lost it. That might give them the fever pitch to try to win that game. I just think Hampton County's defense is too good. Plus, you got the running back, the two-headed monster down there at that one. That's just going to be too tough of a, a hill to climb, so to speak. So. All right. So that's going to do it for the high school level uh, as far as uh, what's going on there. We were – uh, you know, excited to see some of these games that are going to be taking place on Friday night. Of course, uh, hopefully we'll have some leftover turkey to go along with it as we head out to some of those ball games in the process. So hopefully you'll get a chance to go out and enjoy those. We're at Howard's on Main in Uptown Greenwood. We invite you to come on by. They've got live entertainment tonight uh, as well as Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, you come by and see some of the best live entertainment in and around the Lakelands right here at Howard's on Main. Not to mention uh, I had the uh, sweet turkey uh, sandwich for lunch today. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was good. I had the yeah. Turkey all week, man. Come on. I have. I'm getting ready for the big one, which is tomorrow. Here's the thing. (laughs) If you can't go to a game, 
I think there's a band coming in here Friday, and I think one of the guys in the band is right here watching TV. Uh, but Bad Word of the States is playing here Friday night, I believe. And if, if you, Tonight. Oh, tonight. You're right. My bad. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> I'm trying to cheat you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're here tonight, man. Get on out tonight and see them. If you hadn't seen them, man, they're a really good band. Uh, they, they've, they've pretty much taken over Lakeland as far as the bands go. But uh, come out and to good music. Get ready for uh, Turkey Day. And like we always say in Troy, man, we're going to gobble till we wobble, buddy. Should be fun. All right, well, let's talk about uh, what's going on in college. Uh, we got the rivalry weeks going on. Georgia taking on a very good Georgia Tech team. Uh, you got Alabama, Auburn, uh, but none bigger here than the Palmetto Bowl, as they like to call it. Saturday night, 7.30, Williams-Brice under the lights. The sandstorm's going to be in full effect. All the Clemson players have been reminded to wear their helmets uh, the whole time not to take them <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> the process way, all this. By the way, Clemson uh, broke into the college football play. Playoffs uh, top 25. They're number 24 this week. Um, so congrats to the Tigers there. This is going to be fun. This is rivalry week. Throw everything out the window because uh, both these teams despise each other. Well, oh, fans well, despise each I, other. Let's call it that. We, just, we have a lot of fun with it. This is like <laughs> you, you called it, man. This is Saturday night special. Keep your guns at home now. But I'm just saying this, this has the dead to the rights. I mean, the sheer fact that Clemson comes from nowhere, Tom Carroll. After a win at North Carolina, and they're now back in the top 25. They're in the playoff picture, but that's it's a lot of stuff's going to have to take place for them to actually get to where they want to be. But, yeah, this is the game. I mean, I think y'all are getting – are we getting seven? We're getting seven at home. Isn't that right? No, we're, we've got seven. You're plus seven. All right. <laughs> that's fine, because I was going to pick the Gamecocks anyway. But either way, that just shows you that, that records don't matter and numbers don't matter here. Like we were talking about. Let me pull something up real quick because I got you unless you got it already pulled up. I was going to say this is the game we're going into, and again, as bad as I've heard this Clemson team is by Coach Stan Bobby. I mean, this is a game, in all honesty, that anything can happen in. And and until when you bring it up and you look at all amazing Heisman Trophy winner Spencer Rattler and his uh, his stats and everything, you know how many yards separate he and Clubnick? Probably a couple hundred. Four. Four. Four hundred. Rattler's got 3,074. Clubman's got 2,480. So it's it's right in there. Touchdowns. You think it'd be a big difference in that, right? Because there again, we got Heisman Trophy winners for Mr. Rattler. I usually not here today because this is why it's safe for him uh, not being here. 19 touchdowns for Clubnick, 19 touchdowns for Rattler. So there is no glaring. <laughs> disparity between these two quarterbacks, although all year has been spoke that way. And, I mean, that's just how I feel about that part of it. And then you're coming into – if you take Moffa and Shipley, I've just got Moffa right here because he's got 805, he's got nine touchdowns and 149 attempts. And I'm still not impressed with Mario Anderson, as great as he is or should be and everything else. He's played long enough now. He's only got 672 yards, so he's not even close to 1,000. But we hear he's the guy that should have been the back the whole time. Maybe he'd left whatever in instead of RB1 becoming this guy. I will give I will give the Gamecocks the X factor with Leggett because I don't know who Clemson's going to put on him. How are you, who are you going to put on Xavier Leggett this weekend? Wiggins, probably? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a 6-3, 6-4 matchup against a kid that's not quite that high, but that's got to be who you throw on him. I mean, well, that and you got Khalil Barnes who will probably yeah. end up cheating over that way. At the I still like spot. Lewis though. That yeah, freshman Lewis kid, is pretty good. I like him too. But I, like I said, that's, to me, Tom, that's the only big advantage I see on Carolina right now. It's not Rattler, I don't think. I think it's Leggett. 
He's, yeah, he's definitely the X factor. Or as I'm going to call him now, is legit. <laughs> okay. Taking into account uh, Clemson's defense, though, against quarterbacks that are putting up uh, Rattler numbers. I mean, look what they did with Sam, you know, last week Drake uh, May. against Drake May. And even Sam Howell, uh, you know, they limited him to about 300 yards. Uh, but this is three quarterbacks in a row. This will be the fourth one that they have limited to about just over 200 yards of offense. And two of the quarterbacks probably were a lot, had a lot better numbers than what, what Spencer's had. I mean, you look at Hartman and, and the the, yeah. the numbers that he's put up and the receivers that he's throwing to, there's a lot more out there on the field. Like I said, man, for what we've heard all year about Clemson's offense and fumbles and interceptions and stuff like that, to see the two quarterbacks that close and stat-wise is – that's going to happen. Let's we'll just put it out there right now. There's going to be that play that Clemson fans, including myself, are just going to go, oh, why did that? <laughs> why? You know, it's going to happen. We're going to have a fumble or an interception somewhere in, you know, in the red zone, probably within the 10-yard, somewhere inside our you know, their 10-yard their line or, or something of that nature. It's going to happen. We're going to see it. Um, but both of these teams, though, have also uh, produced turnovers. I think what Carolina's got 10 turnovers in the last three games. Clemson has eight turnovers in the last three games that their defenses has ended up causing. So, um, you know, there's three-game winning streaks on the line in both of these, and both of these defenses are playing better than they were at the beginning of the season. Game comes down to one thing, Tom Carroll's to me. One team's got to have it, and the other one don't. They may want it, but they don't have to have it like one team does. I joked about a touchdown club when I, when I went up there and shook big man – that's a tree, by the way, by the <laughs> with a set of skis on his feet. But um, cool guy, McLean, though, for real. Um, it's going to come down to me, and I told you how I feel like if we lost, it's going to be Brendan Stewart that beats us. Um, and I think that's a necessity. I think they've got to figure a way to get the ball to Brendan Stewart because what that does is the, the one play that has hurt you all year as far as fumbles, and it goes back to Garrett Riley. His his tendency to use. Club it like he did Max Duggan. That's silly. Those two comparisons are not. I mean, mm-hmm. Max Duggan was a big dude. But he, what he's doing is he's putting Klubnik out on the post and hoping that the receiver's going to somehow come open. You can't have that. you got to have a guy coming at least at running back to get the ball out around the edge. You've left him out on the edge a hundred times this year, and he's fumbled five of those times that you've done that. you got to take that play out of the book today. I'm just telling Coach Riley, take it out today. You don't even want to even worry about him running the ball, trying for the edge for the pylon. Don't even try that play because it has hurt you in four games. Come out, run the ball with, with both. You want to use both, run them both. I still think Moffitt's the better guy. Put Shipley at the slot if you want. Um, you got you, Peter Woods is going to be a big guy for y'all that we haven't seen. We don't know much about Peter well, Woods. Well, I think uh, Carter Barrett's probably going to have something to say, and then you got to throw in uh, – Jeremiah? Yeah, Carrick Miles and all that. You got Jeremiah Charter. And Thomas too. Xavier. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of unspoken about this game. I mean, it's just it comes down to, like you said, hatred for fans and, and, and everything like that. I was going to take the game cost anyway, but now that we're five and six and we got to get this one more win, I got to take the game cost. I mean, I do. I mean, but, it, you know, normally who have I picked in the upset in chaos more often than not? Who have I picked? I picked the Tigers, and they have led me through, like last week. So, <laughs> well, uh, speaking of matchups, what, what are some of the big matchups that you're looking here? I know offense and defensive line, uh, you know, offensive line for Carolina, defensive line for for uh, Clemson in this one. Uh, can't really say the same in reverse. Can South Carolina's defensive line, um, you know, get pressure on Klubnik in this regard and stop that rushing attack? 
All right, we we talk about it week in week out, and we hear that we we don't have like the number of offensive linemen covering for Rattler. We hadn't had all year, Tom. So to, to get them back, I think it's more of a disadvantage for the Gamecocks to actually have cover have where he's not got pressure and running for his life. I think that's where he's best. I think Spencer Rattler, in utter chaos, is at his best. So if you can somehow limit getting back there and making him think about throws, that might be a way you win a game too. It could be a pick six. It could be whoever. I still think it comes down to Brinstool for me, for, for the Tigers beating the Gamecocks. And somehow we have got to get a running back to get over 100 yards. Now, it's been Mario Anderson. He's the only one that's going to play because we do know that my man ain't playing. So, Yeah, Joyner said uh, he wouldn't – or uh, Juice wouldn't play. Yeah, wouldn't Ju- play. Juice is not playing. Year. He'll be back next year. But I don't think I don't think Joyner's playing in this game either. And I'll just say this now, man. I, I can't appreciate nothing more from a South Point man that whipped us <laughs> to, to what he's done in his four years at Carolina, five years. This guy deserves everything he gets, man, and I hope the sky's the limit for the Kieran Joyner. All right, here's what Coach uh, Shane Beamer had to say uh, on Tuesday during the press conference about the Palmetto Bowl as they get ready for Saturday's event.
All right, so there you have uh, Coach Shane Beamer, his thoughts uh, on the rivalry week in the, in the Palmetto Bowl as it gets underway. I thought it was interesting that, that he compared uh, fans all the way from, you know, the oldest down to the youngest. When he said that, I thought about our soccer reporter down there. It's going to be his first Carolina game. Flute's mm-hmm. Fivey, you know, Stan's grandson. And I can only imagine his face when a light show hits up. The towels and the crowd and the noise and everything. I I thought about that kid there too. That kid remind you of anybody at Touchdown Club of the night when he when Eric McLean was introduced and I holler go Cox. I mean, and he looked at when I shook his hand. He's like, I knew it was you the whole time, man. I saw you the whole time. I eyed you. I saw, I know you eyeballed me. That's why I came over here and shook his hand. And he has texted me by the way. So he's serious about with us with some podcasts and stuff too. But uh, all in all, man, great interview with Coach. I mean, he he. Like I said, a lot of people think I don't like him. I, I love the passion. I just got to see more wins and losses. I mean, it's not always about wins and losses. Like, this year's been a tough year. A lot of injuries. I mean, we just got to figure out. I'm still not – like I've told a lot of people, I'm still not sold on Dow Loggins. But for us to get to a chance to win and have a chance for a bowl game, I, I'll eat the crow on that. I don't mind eating crow at all, especially when, when we win. The, especially, But to have to win the game against Clemson, how hard is that really, though? Seriously, how hard that's is a, that's, a, that's an uphill battle is what that is. I mean, it's a tough win. That's like if you watched Southern Cal last week and UCLA, that was a beatdown by Skip Holtz. I mean, by, uh, excuse me, um, Kelly out at UCLA. And, I mean, they had to have that game. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely put it on Southern Cal. Uh, that was the worst they've, that game's been in a long time. But all in all, man, great week for football. Um like I said, we've got to have it. Y'all don't. So if you want to just throw the yellow tile in, I'll take a white tile. You know? <laughs> well, Dabo did have uh, a press conference on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to to get a hold of it, but I did write down some uh, of the factors that are there um, with rivalry week and what's going on. Basically, said that uh, Carolina has some dudes. Uh, Rattler is probably one of the best quarterbacks that they've seen all year. It'll be a tough challenge. Um, they've got a good receiver. Anderson's uh, he said a good running back, um, a hard running running back. They've got a tight end in Leggett that is a superstar to go along with it so he's acknowledging exactly where you know 
majority of that def- defense is going to be focused. He did say the South Carolina's defense, uh, when you look at Kilgore and Debo, probably have, uh, again, the best uh, linebacker crew that is there that they've seen uh, outside of uh, maybe the Georgia a couple of years ago. I, hey, Coach, I respect that. I, and I, I'll, I'll certainly take that um, our running back is good. I, but I want to get it where next year he says we got a really great running back. Um, and like I said, I think Stan pretty much thinks that we're going to have a really great quarterback back. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where we go from here. I think all in all, like the way we started to where we are now, it's, it's been all positives. And I think defensively he's right. I think Debo and some of the guys step up to the plate. Nobody's thrown the ball against Mar- uh, Marcelo style all year. This is your shot to go against him and try to throw the ball against him. And I think you'll see that because I think sooner or later you're going to have to run somebody down the field other than, I'm not going to say a Bo Collins, but this could be where Marcellus Dial is actually going to cover the Greenville kid. Going to be on Tyler Brown. Yeah, I think that might be who you see on Tyler Brown is going to be Marcellus Dial. And then I think we're going to really see how really good both of these kids are because they're going to put on a show. Uh, there's another uh, factor that is out there, and that is being Donald Trump is coming uh, to <laughs> <laughs> Williams Price for this game. Um, yep. It just draws more attention uh, to the Palmetto Bowl and the process of all this. But you're going to have 80,000 folks, plus you're going to have whatever uh, entourage that's probably going to be close to about half of that for Donald Trump um, to go along with that. It, the attention on Williams Price, not only within the state, but nationally now that Trump is going to be there, is going to be huge. I. I think about it. I'm like, what do you do if you need to win a game and you're seven and four and you need, I mean, you're six and you need to win that game, five and six to get to six and six. You call Donald Trump and he comes in and trying to bring a crowd, but it's already going to be chaotic enough, Tom. It's at, at the fairgrounds and, and down loose caboose down where Stan tailgates. It's going to be chaos everywhere. And if you're going to this game, I mean, you basically are going to need to get there at nine o'clock in the morning and it's an all day affair at that point in time. So I, I'm, I don't really know if that's going to be an influence in that game. I don't see that it will, but, I mean, the place is going to be electric anyway. I'd rather him maybe pick another time to come, but <laughs> maybe we called and said, hey, we need you, we need you, Mr. Prez. Come on up here and help us get a win. So. All right, so we did get some other good news this week concerning the Palmetto Bowl, and that was from both athletic directors saying, uh, despite the fact that we got teams coming in from the ACC and teams coming into the SEC, that this game was going to still remain the final game of the season, that uh, at least for the next few years. You do love that because you know I know there's one one series that's not going to continue for a while. Uh, because of all the teams coming in, and that's Arkansas, Missouri, who play for a certain trophy also. And they're, I mean, both teams are on the SEC side, but just the fact that they're bringing in, they won't play for another, I think it said 20 years maybe, before mm-hmm. they play again. So that that's really reassuring news because I think a lot of people always want to see Carolina Clemson. I know I do. Even if we're going to lose in this one game, I want to see <laughs> on that schedule. All right. And here's something I bet you don't know. Um, Tigers projected uh, outcome now is coming a little bit clearer as far as where they're going to go as far as the bowl season goes, regardless of the outcome of this game um, that is there. And, I do and, know. But anyway. Uh, we'll, you know they're going to the Holiday Bowl, right? I went to the first annual. That's why I know who it okay. is. And, I, and, and here's the reason I'm going to say that it's going to happen. You know why? My chaotic game is DJ over Oregon in Oregon. <laughs> so that, you know Oregon State is going to be that, probably that is my, that, That's not why I picked that game, but that's the reason I'm going against my Ducks at home, and I'm thinking that DJ Uwe is going to win that game at Oregon, man. That, that's why I was so excited to tell you who it was. But All right, and at that point in time, you have to pull up. You get the stats again, Tom. You go to DJ Uwe, you go to – they're close. 
they're really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a matter of fact, I'm a coach liking one better than the other. That's the way I have to look at it. Um, and, and it's going to happen even if Oregon does beat Oregon State. Yeah, either way, the, the, those two are probably destined for San Diego for the Holiday Bowl on, what, the 28th, I think? Now, that would be one I need to call Eric McLean and say, I need to talk to you about this game coming up, buddy, because I want to put you on the ropes about that game. But Yeah, I, when I saw that this morning, because, like I said, I went to the first hand, it was Navy-BYU uh, in San Diego, and – like I said, that, that's just a crazy bowl game. They play at Petco now, but um, I just can't imagine. DJ Uwe. <laughs> Going against his club. Right yeah, because, I mean, a lot of your defense, they know DJ. I mean, I, that that's a matchup right now that's – we're not even at December. And I'm, we're already excited yeah, about if it. You're the, if, if you're you're the starting defense, you know who he likes to throw to. You know what kind of, of, of quarterback that he is. And, and the thing I like about it even better is – you know, I, I've kind of gotten behind Oregon State because I like that coach. I think he's a really good football coach. He, he's both offense, defense, and mine. And, and if you could find another guy like a, a, a guy like Dabo, this, it would be him. I mean, they're, they're very similar to where you got a job to do. You do your job or you're, you're fired. It's just like that. <laughs> but, yeah, when you said that and you were talking about holiday ball, I said, I got you. <laughs> I didn't know. If I already you know did, this spread, man. You're way ahead of no, me I'm on kidding, that one. <laughs> All yeah, right. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. All right. Well, now it's time for where the fun really begins as we'll turn the uh, microphone <laughs> over to you and find out uh, who Chris's chaos is for this rivalry week. A lot of good games. I'm, I'm going to say it just like this. I'm going to say me over you because <laughs> I am going to take the game, guys, <laughs> um, in that game. I got a couple for you, and I've already said I, I like Oregon State over Oregon, and that hurts me there now. That hurts me worse than the Clemson Carolina, to be honest. But uh, there's another one that's out there, way out there, that I saw. I do think Ohio State's beat Michigan, but that's not really chaos. Mm-hmm. That's just expected or not expected. There you see the Oregon State pick there. I'm going to go all the way out to the Big Ten, or Big 12, excuse me. And number 12, Iowa, is taking on a Nebraska team that we thought at the beginning of the year was just total crap. We, we really did. Marcus Satterfield, I don't know how he made it through the first two games, but he's still the coordinator. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Nebraska over Iowa. I just don't think they can score enough points to win that game. I went on down. I found Stan a couple uh, that we do. Um, you, you got Jed Fish at, at Arizona. They're playing Arizona State. Crazy game. Um, NC State North Carolina is an interesting game that I, that I really thought about picking. Um, but i tell you what I'm going to do, Tom. I'm going to stay with Coastal because you're talking about a 10-1 James Madison team coming. I'm laughing because now you got nothing to play for if you're James Madison. You hope you were going to get a at-large to a bowl. It's not going to happen now uh, because of the deal you made with the devil to, to join. And I'm going to take Coastal to 7-4. And, and, and I'm going to give you another shocker. This is my last of the chaotic picks. I don't know if Shador's going to play in this game because he got hurt last week. But I'm going to take 4-7 and seven Colorado at Utah, a 7-14. I, I just feel like, you know, I picked against them so many times. I mean, you got – how about Texas San Antonio at Tulane? 8-3. Mm-hmm. and three, The Roadrunners. 10-1. I, I, I would choose the Roadrunners over anybody right Well, now. like I said, Frank – I looked at it and I said, I wonder if that guy's named Franco Harris. His name's Frank. I didn't even know it. Um, like I said, he's got 17 touchdowns, six picks on the year. But if you haven't watched Tulane play, and we have, because we played Northwestern last year, Michael Pratt's the real deal. He's got right at 2,100 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, four picks. Malachi Hughes, as a freshman, is at 1,100 yards rushing against a freshman in six touchdowns. So that'll be one of the other ones. If you want just to, if you're betting with your friends and you don't know much about Tulane or Texas San Antonio, take that pick. All right. So there's Chris's chaos. 
after this rivalry week as they get <laughs> things underway. Can't wait to see uh, how they turn out. Real quick, Georgia, Georgia Tech um, uh, in this one. Does Georgia Tech even stand a chance? You know, they do. And, I mean, it's one – and the one reason I didn't take this game because I've lost Georgia so many times already this year. But, I mean, in years past, though, Tom, Carson Beck has got 3,300 yards passing. He's 21 touchdowns, only five picks. Haynes King, the transfer from A&M, he's got, 20, he's got 2,500. So, basically, 2,600 yards passing. That's, what, 600 yards difference. 26 touchdowns, but he's got 15 picks. That's what they got to correct there. And, and Jamal Hayes running the ball is, is dynamic. Um, defensively, I think this is where they could win it. But if you look it up and you go by the stats, this is a blowout game, and that's the reason I stayed away from it. But it's rivalry. How about if they were to win this game, what that does to Georgia? That may put them totally out of everything. You think it would? I think it'd drop them down to maybe third or fourth. It would drop but. them way down. Plus, now you've got to beat Alabama. There's no ifs, ands, and, and nuts about it. You've got to beat Alabama now. And I think that's even harder to do when you have to do it. And if Alabama beats you, then do they get a chance at possibly being in the top four, you know, with them being, what, seventh or eighth right now? Yeah, I, I think they would. I just think the fact that you could lose one game and it could be to your rival, that you could be totally left out of everything. <laughs> That's what's crazy. That's chaotic. That is Chris's <laughs> chaos for That's this chaotic. time around. Hey, we've enjoyed it. It has been a fun uh, day uh, talking rivalry week uh, uh, throughout the week as well. Uh, we hope that you have a great one. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, uh, Chris. We'll yes, sir. You too, lots man. of turkey. Caroline, Nick, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Don't forget, Bad Weather States, Howard's tonight. Be here. We're the Lakeland Sports Guys. Have a great and happy, safe holiday.